There's actually a um, proverb that I learned from my travel out to Navajo country. And I had a Navajo guide and he said that our pain is the next person's medicine. Um, so what we go through is to help heal somebody else so that, you know, they don't go through it to the same degree that we did. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hi, my name is Samantha Everett, and thank you for having me. Um, I am dialing in from North Carolina. That's where I'm from. It's where I've moved back to recently. And the name of my business is The Queen of Vacations. That's my social handle for everything. The queen, y'all. We have the queen on the line today. <laughs> so you talk about growing up in the back of your mother's Mazda taking road trips. So that was your introduction to Wanderlust. Yes. Um, my mom, I will tell you the, the mileage on our most recent car, it's 400,000 miles. So that's any indication of how much she drives, like, we would go to New York at least two or three times a year growing up. I have probably been to Disneyland more than any kid, um, especially in our socioeconomic standing. Like it does not make sense that I've been to Disney World like eight times, but driving 14 hours or 12 hours or whatever it was, was just nothing for her. And like even to rent a 12 passenger van and throw, you know, 12 other Girl Scouts in the mix too. Like we were just always going somewhere. So do you, do you, like as kids, a lot of times we have cover, so we don't know what our parents have to go through in order to make life happen for us. Do you know, does she ever talk about how she prioritized travel? Um, she doesn't, but I just think it's something that's so ingrained in her and it's the same way it's been like passed down to me. There's no option not to do it. It's just a part of your life, like eating and breathing. Like, you know, even if you have to struggle to buy groceries, you're going to buy groceries. You're going to eat because like you'll die if you don't. Like, it's just kind of like in our makeup. So 
It just wasn't an option not to go see family, not to, you know, give me those experiences that other children had. Um, she worked two or three jobs. I remember sleeping, you know, she would clean office buildings at night. And I remember like doing my homework in the office building or she had like a phone call job. And I remember sleeping on the couch in the call center at nighttime. Um, but you know, it wasn't abnormal. It was, it just was our life. I like how you phrase that about it just kind of being ingrained, like the things that you really want, making space for it. Even though, you know, yeah. I guess economically speaking, a lot of people don't have that. They don't have that space or opportunity sometimes. You know, there's shaming that happens in the travel community because there's a bit of classism. It's like you just need to prioritize your money and take a trip to Jamaica or to Puerto Rico or whatever, you know. Yeah, I think that people minimize on both sides, like. Yeah, you can afford to, you can do a super budget trips and there's ways to do it. But if you have all those restrictions on what you're doing, are you really enjoying it to the fullest? Is it worth going? I go through that myself sometimes where I now I'm unemployed and I'm traveling off of my savings. And it's like, yeah, you can't stay at that five star hotel. You need to stay in the hostel. So do you still go? Are you, you know, I was in my room in Jamaica and I could hear every single conversation on all of the hostile grounds because the walls were so thin. And I'm like, is this really the experience that I want? So I don't fault people that would rather have, you know, an immediate, um, something that they can fully enjoy. Like you may fully enjoy those Jordans, whereas you may not fully enjoy going on that trip, knowing that you have bills when you get home because you've overextended yourself. Um, but do I think that if somebody really desires to want to go that, you know, they can't save that Jordan money and save the iPhone, you know, 13 money and go on a trip once or every other year? Like, yeah, I just I think it's it's more nuanced and, you know, you can really get into on in an Instagram comment section. It is very interesting how we operate through our singular lens a lot of times because the experience that you want to have, like somebody else may not want. That's the that's the glory of travel, right, is being able to do, do it how you want to do it, having the experience that you want to have. And I had somebody ask me about one of my trips because, you know, people also get a, um, a very small window into what we're actually experiencing if they're just looking at it through social media, they're not with us 24 seven. So I had somebody, another blogger, Hey, can you give me tips on Jamaica? And I'm like, no, sis, I can't because I spent a month in hostels eating beef patties every day. Like I, <laughs> I was on a shoestring budget. There's nothing to blog about. It was just be there. Cause I wanted to be in the culture, but I wasn't there in like a vacation sense where you can really tell people, um, yeah, you should emulate my vacation. No, <laughs> but you don't see that on the, but like, but like what's wrong with that though? Why, why can't it, you it, see what, that there's on nothing the ground? wrong with that? But what she was asking me for, she was under the influence that I was getting sponsored hotels and, you know, even though I don't talk about it, people just make assumptions and 
being like the person that asked me, I kind of knew what she was looking for. If it had been somebody else asking me that I knew was a budget traveler and um, would stay in hostels and do all that, then I'm like, oh yeah, I stayed in this hostel. You know, this restaurant is really affordable, blah, blah, blah. But no, she was looking for something to um, recommend to other travelers that are more vacationing than backpacking. I wanted to ask, um, being from North Carolina, like, uh, is your does your family have deep roots there? Yeah, we're from here. Everybody's from here. If I meet somebody with my last name, I'm pretty sure we can trace back how we're related because we're all from Northeast uh, North Carolina. Is that where the the Gullah Geechee people originated, or is that That's South, South Carolina? Carolina. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So speaking of Instagram and living for the gram and why somebody would be under the impression that you were living lavishly, (laughs) Um, it's because you look like you're living lavishly. (laughs) No one wants to see crying in my Um, hostel, Susan. (laughs) I always put that in my like, nobody wants to see you crying in the corner. Like you don't show those things. I just, I really don't understand why though, because like it happens to everybody. I do not know anyone who hasn't gone somewhere and has some type of experience at some point in their travel journey. Yeah. It just happens because you take the person that you are like, that is so true. Me. I wish people understood that more. Like, please say that again for the folks in the back. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, like, unless, unless we are open about these conversations, like they're never going to be had and it will continue to be this. Let me share the, my yeah. highlight reel. I mean, that's the whole purpose of the of the podcast is to get into that nitty gritty. Yeah, I, I I try to share some of it, but after a while, you kind of um, feel like you're playing a little tiny violin because it's like, yeah, I'm going through all this stuff, but I'm going through it on the beach in Jamaica. So it's like, ah, uh, I don't know. So it's like yes. shame yourself? <laughs> Well, just because you're going through something in a beautiful location, you shouldn't be going through it. Like, oh, I have all this stuff. I shouldn't be sad. No. But, you know, it's like even though you feel it um, and if you stop shaming yourself, other people are still going to shame you. And if you're putting it out publicly, you know, you're going to get that. But, girl, you should you should be this. You should be that. You're here. You're there. And it's like, okay. I'm going to just, I'm going to suck it up. Okay. <laughs> Who is flaming you? Who's talking to you? Uh, it it happens. Even complaining, of, I'll complain about the gram sometime because the gram can be a whole, can mess with your mind. People are like, don't talk about the gram. Like, okay. All right. Well. <laughs> I've gotten these comments and I know it's, it is the minority, not the majority, but those are always the ones that stick in your head, right? It's never the hundred people telling you good job. It's always that one person that's like, well, you could have, you know, that's the one you remember. <laughs> so if, if that is the tendency, then it's like, well, what do you do to prepare yourself for that? Rather than making yourself small and not sharing the things that you want to share because of how other people react, mitigating that by saying, okay, well, if somebody does say something, what can I have locked and loaded? Or do I even need to address it? Because 
they are the minority. And I actually, I do address matter. it because, um, and I will say, I've talked about my depression, um, some health issues, definitely talked about my relationship um, issues. And um, when I do get a comment, usually it's somebody who doesn't understand. It's less um, so like attacking and more of like, well, I don't get why you feel like this and other. And I usually will explain it to them because I feel like I'm not going to be the only person that they encounter that's going through these things. So if I can make it so that the next person they meet that expresses similar feelings doesn't have to go through this person's judgment or questioning or all that, and they can just be like, oh, yeah, I get you. I understand. I'm here for you because they've been educated and I kind of have, you know, done a service and you know, sometimes it's it can be difficult, but um, there's actually a um, proverb that I learned from my travel out to Navajo country, and I had a Navajo guide, and he said that our pain is the next person's medicine. Um, so what we go through is to help heal somebody else so that, you know, they don't go through it to the same degree that we did. But that is something that you take on yourself to do the education part. It is. Um, it's, I think it's just, I am super open and I know not everybody is super open. And I, I don't really, I actually have pretty thin skin, but I have a pretty strong mind. Um, so I feel like I can get through um, those conversations. Do you feel like you're reaching and trying to build bridges and such? I do. Um, and I just, I feel like it also, it disarms other people because so there are some people that I feel like are coming at me sometimes. Like the way you wrote that, sis, like I'm gonna need you to calm down. But if you don't feed into that energy and you respond back in a like loving, understanding, let's talk this out, where are you coming from? See where I'm coming from, then that totally like shifts the conversation. Um and and you can both get somewhere. But so it sounds like maybe just sometimes you don't have the space for it. And so you just don't post it because you don't want the teachable moments <laughs> that come from the post because you don't have the space to address them. I, I, it's more so I don't want the majority of my content to be about the struggle because there are so many beautiful things. And just because I'm super steeped in um, whatever emotional things I'm going through, you know, people are coming to my page for travel and I don't want to discourage them from traveling because I'm feeling depressed, if that makes sense. Um, so I just try to kind of keep a balance. And then also it's, it's hard to be, you know, most people post about their challenge after they got through it. And I try and post like while I'm going through it, but it can be hard to, while you're figuring out, 
figuring it out to express it to the world. Cause you know, sometimes like I can have the conversation to have the answers and other days I'm like, it just fucking sucks. Like I don't have anything for you. Like this is just hard for me. And it doesn't matter that I'm sitting in Thailand. Like I'm sitting in Thailand by myself without a travel bay. I'm lonely. Um, this is getting expensive. I'm worried. Uh, and I don't want to come home. So like, don't just tell me to come home. Like, it's not going to be better when I'm at home. And it just like can start to spiral. It's just like, you know what? Let me just work through this myself before I put it out there for public consumption. And that's the thing too. Like uh, a lot of people separate and differentiate between the personal and their business. Because, so you started your, what a win you really started your Instagram. But uh, the first post is like August, 2015, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you started blogging, like your first blog is October 2016, like almost a year later. So it sounds like as the nature of your travels are changing, as you're documenting more, that you are also understanding what that means when it comes to like hyper visibility, like how much of yourself do you put out there? How much of yourself do you want to continue to put yeah, out there? Yeah, you know, the gram wants what it wants and these websites want what they want. And um, it's hard to also figure out how to be authentic and also grow because it's like, what I want to show are, you know, is my artwork. Like that's where I'm at right now. So like, I just want to show my artwork and that's it. What the gram wants to see is my booty. And I know this because if I was to post a piece of artwork, um, it would get, you know, maybe 300 likes. If I post a really cute booty pic on the beach, it's going to get 1,500 likes. So, and it's going to get shared. People are going to save it. And it's going to get reposted by, you know, Black Men Travel is the Women Crush Wednesday or whatever. And that art pick is just going to sit there. Um, and the same thing with like showing out for the gram and like having these um, over the top personalities. It's like, yeah, you could totally put everything out there, but I don't, it just seems like a lot for me. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely still wrestling with the like showing my authentic self, how much of myself to show like, and and if I'm just showing it just for the gram or if this is, if it's not being true to me, like it, it's a daily, it's a daily struggle. <laughs> but it sounds like definitely a both and situation because these are photos that you've been taking anyway, like even your beginning photos. Um, well, are are you taking these photos yourself? <laughs> Most of them, I, I am, or I'm directing someone with my camera, and I'm like constantly going back and looking at the camera, like, okay, hold it a little bit. I've learned now to bring a tripod because most people either they can't hold my camera because it weighs seven pounds, um, or they just have no idea about composition. Like, I just need you to push the button. That is all I need. <laughs> <laughs> can you be yeah. my human just, tripod just be my, my, my trigger <laughs> finger that's it yeah but it, it it seems like these were things that you were doing anyway so this so this is the thing it's like okay hey i was just living my life and then like people, paid attention. people yeah. what i was doing so then they just started coming through and now it's this do i live my life and show myself as i'm changing and growing 
or do I cater to this audience that are now I I have their attention exactly that is you hit the nail on the head (laughs) it's something to navigate um so when you reached out like I don't we all people (laughs) you know what I'm saying I don't I haven't pursued guests who have a a high follower account. I'm pursuing Mm -hmm. the stories. This is more about a human to human. This podcast is more about a human to human connection. One black woman to another black woman who could Mm -hmm. be from somewhere totally different. And you feel exactly what she's saying. Um, So when you reached out, I didn't know. It's only when I was doing my research on you. And I was like, oh, oh shit, sis got a following following. Like, <laughs> you know, trying to connect with Black women. Because, like, that's that's difficult. That was a conversation that I had on Twitter, like, I don't know, in the last month or so. Because so many accounts are private. So it's just, like, requested, requested versus, like, follow, follow, you know. So um, <laughs> it is it is very interesting mm-hmm. how... But I guess that's life, though, right? How we behave when there are more eyes on us versus how yeah. we behave when no one's watching. And as an artist, because it seems like you do consider yourself yeah. an artist, like being able to 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 dance with that. Yeah, and I'm actually, I'm a pretty chill person. Like, I'm not a personality person. Like, I feel like a lot of these people that grow to like a million or you know, whatever. And there's always this conversation about growing. Like for me, it's more important the conversations that I'm having in my DMs, the people that I'm meeting when I travel, like um, having a following is nice, but it's not, it's just kind of there, you know? Um, Like I, I, I really can't force myself to do like post every day and, you know, have, um, just talk about celebrity gossip and, you know, all these formulaic things that you know are going to like help you, but it's like, but that's not, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> I can't totally relate, but like theoretically I can, <laughs> I can understand, I can understand what you're saying. <laughs> Um, I, I have a lot yeah. of friends in this space that I've been, we've been going through the Instagram, you know, influencer journey together. And so these are a lot of conversations that we've had, like over the years, you know, people that really, really want, you know, to grow and do all this and that. And, uh, you know, just the reality of, of what it is. And it's like, it's just a program, like it's not. And also like, if you don't, Instagram is a marketing tool. Like, I feel like people kind of lose that. Like, if you're a consumer, you're consuming marketing and they've repackaged it as this whole fun, you know, thing. But at the end of the day, they're just, you know, leveraging your attention for money. So. And I'm, I'm very interested in that as well. I've seen like some popular folks on Twitter. Uh, I guess you could tell that's where I hang out most. (laughs) So popular (laughs) folks on Twitter talk about um, visibility does not always equal money. No. And I'm curious as to how it affects black women in particular, because that was, and that was a black woman that said that. It's about your network. It's about your work. Um, 
Like if we talk about the business side of it, I learned maybe like two or three years ago, I went to a women's conference and there are these women on stage and like, I'm not sure if they're getting paid to be on stage or, or what, but I'm in the stands and they're on stage. So I'm trying to be on stage and I'm like looking at their Instagrams. I'm like, oh, they only have, this person has a thousand. This person has 3000. I'm just like, huh, I wonder how they're on stage. If, you know, they don't have the visibility, but what they do have is the actual business. They have the actual marketable skills. Um, they have a story to tell. They have value. Um, so I think I feel like it's the difference between visibility and value. Like if you have both, then you're going to skyrocket. If you have um, value, then you're still going to do well because you can, you know, use your network and people see your work and they're like, you know, even if you don't have a hundred thousand eyes seeing your work, if you have five hundred and out of that five hundred ten book you because your stuff is dope then you have a business. If you just have visibility, but you don't have anything behind that, you're not getting booked for things. Nobody really wants you on their stage or, you know, do, selling their product or um, it, it's just, it's not sustainable. Like, yes and no. I guess it depends on who it is because Yes. I'm talking yes about like the no. smaller scale, not so, necessarily like, like the people with 500,000 followers or, you know, but like when you're getting into like the 10,000 and the, you know, the 2000, like if that person's really offering something, if their audience is really engaged, if they, um, if their videos are really dope, like you may not see all the videos that they're doing for different companies and stuff like that. You might just see, oh, there's one or two on their page, but um, if you like really dive deep, then you're like, oh, this person's dope. But I think it comes down to like what they what they offer. If you don't see value in what you do, if you don't know how to package that and be able to offer that to someone else, like that's the whole mm-hmm. business model to be able to do what you do for yeah. someone else. But that's not always shown on the gram, is what I'm saying. Like. I mean, it's never shown on the gram. It's some, that's something that I was posting about. I've been doing like these personal mm-hmm. posts lately, just talking a little bit about my own journey when it comes to travel. And um, I love Black women and I want more stories about how some of the ones who are, are able to do what they're doing. I want that unmasked because um, like you see white people sharing that all the time everywhere. A lot of black women want to keep their jobs. That's a whole other, when you put everything out there, best believe HR is consuming it too. So. But I mean, and, and, but still like they have no desire to like strike. So it depends on the woman, right? You talk about the women on stages. They're on stage because they want it to be on stage. It's not, it's not organizers reaching out to specific people. So I I saw in 2018, you went to women's travel fest. Yeah, that's, the the opportunities do not come to you. Like I will say my opportunities are probably like 30, 70, like 30% people have come to me, but the other 70% is me putting myself in these spaces, networking with people, <clears throat> offering up my services, telling people what I can do. Um, 
I just actually put a post up there, like, you know, letting people know again, hey, I'm a photographer because people see the pictures, but they don't necessarily automatically um, make the jump to like, oh, she's a photographer behind the lens or she's a director behind the photos. Like, um, so you have to let people know what you do. It's like, that's a hundred percent correct. So like even looking at your website, I see that you do trips, but I don't see anything about you offering your photography yeah. services. Yeah, that's another website. You see what that's I mean? a that's something bringing them both together. <laughs> <laughs> so like I I feel you. I feel you, but it's also that too. It's like yes, you want opportunities, but a lot of times people are not taking the time. In my experience, like with the people that I talk to, people are usually not thoughtful in that kind of mm-hmm. way about other people. I have a podcast because people like to talk <laughs> about themselves <laughs> and, and I'm interested in people. Mm-hmm. And I like to ask questions. You know what I mean? But it's not because rarely does anybody ask me yeah. about myself. You know what I mean? Like, is that your experience in your life? Like, do you have people normally well, asking I you about yourself? Do pretty interesting things. So half the time I tell people I'm a school teacher because I just don't want to get into it. Like being a shoe designer, the minute you open your mouth and tell a woman that you're a shoe designer, baby, that's a long conversation. <laughs> so. And I got these Marc Jacobs, but girl, I tell you, these Payless shoes held up so much better. I never knew anybody (laughs) designed shoes. That's so, how does it all work? And then they they want it because it is one of those things you just go to the store, you think the shoe just magically appeared there. Um, And it's not a career. It's something that women love. And then they meet somebody that makes something they love. It's like, oh, Y'all exist. It's like a, like a nymph in a in a um, fairy, you know, forest. It's like you never see that nymph. It's just like um, so when you see one in real life. So yeah, I do actually. Um, if I am like meeting someone new, and the com- the conversation always is, "What do you do?" And if you know, I say, you know, I'm a footwear designer and a travel host and a photographer. Then yeah, they ask me a lot of questions. So I do end up talking about myself a lot <laughs> well I guess it pays to be interesting <laughs> <laughs> I've actually I was actually very intentional with um not the footwear piece um that was just like super blessing from God that my life worked out that way um but the other things that I do um come from me realizing one day that all I do is complain about my job. If people have want to have a conversation with me, the only thing I can tell you is about so-and-so and cubicle over there. I had, I had nothing else to talk about. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. So, you know, I just, just, I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious. It was a little bit of both. Just started cultivating my life. And I also, I dated a guy this Canadian guy. And I just remember every time I mentioned a place or a thing, he had some story to tell. And I was like, that is so amazing. Like you have had such an interesting life. Like I want that kind of life. I was like, I want, if somebody mentions this country, me be like, oh yeah, when I ate there, oh my God. And when I met this person in this place and 
like I want to be that person. So I really like sought, set out to make that my life. Working as a shoe designer took you to China like over 60, over 60 yeah. business trips. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> and, in, and then you lived there yeah. for two years I, on top of that. Yeah, I really like China. China, you know, right now it's hmm, getting a bad rap. It usually gets a bad rap, but, um, and it's not an easy country to live in. Um, but I love the people and I love the food. So those are two big draws for me. So um, you did say that you're currently unemployed. So you stopped working as a shoe designer in order to pursue a lifestyle that suited you more, that could give you the interesting stories. Um, that's a pretty way to say it. <laughs> the real way to say it is uh, I got fired. And not fired, let go, because the company was downsizing. Um, but I let got let go partially due to um, another employee suing the company and using my name. So they didn't like that. She did not have my permission to throw me under the bus, but she did. Um, I told her my salary, and that is not illegal. Um, but she used that to go back and um, sue the company because... I made more than her. And as a white woman, that didn't make sense in her mind. And they did not like that. And as a black woman, they they definitely treated me harsher than they would have somebody else. Um, so that job ended and I was not prepared to look for another job. Um, and so I kind of blew up my life and left New York and said, to hell with it all. And I'm going to take the severance and just do the things, be irresponsible, like I never got a chance to do in my 20s and just, you know, um, and eventually I'm going to have to start being an adult again. But, yeah. You Did you think to sue, to countersue, like sue them? Well, not I guess it's not countersue, but sue them in addition for their I retaliatory. Was, I was, no, I, yeah. If I maybe if I had a lawyer in my back pocket, I would have. Um, but also, my industry is really small, um, so you don't want to be that person suing one of the biggest companies in your industry, and especially as a black woman, like the backlash would have been um, far worse. And I do hope one day to get back into the industry, um, so I don't really want that you know, whatever little bit of money I would have gotten from that lawsuit, like it may not have outweighed the damage that I would do to my own personal reputation. Um, so I just kind of let it ride. That's so interesting. I don't think, I mean, maybe, but the the white woman that sued. Oh, she, worry about. she didn't get a job. <clears throat> we actually were freelancing at the same company. And they straight up told me we will never hire her. So it's it's real. Like I've I've seen people get blackballed. So it's a very small industry. Like I'm talking only a couple thousand people. So then you started, uh, like I said, your blog, and um, I see you do a women's retreat uh, with mm-hmm. Sarah Wesley in Egypt. 
Return to Comet is the name of the business. Divine Goddess is the name of the retreat. You also do a crop over festival trip. Um, how has it been to work on that side? So not just planning for yourself, like planning for other people, making space for them. And so um, forth. Well, I actually just have the fun part of those jobs. I partner with already established travel companies. So they're doing all of the heavy lifting. Um, so for me, it's really just being there and fellowshipping with some really awesome women. Um, so it's not too much different from my traveling solos or traveling with friends because I'm really just just there having a great time. Now, if there is a client that is, you know, like I had one client when I went to South Africa that we had a music festival and I know she won't mind me sharing the story, I love her, but she missed the first day of the festival. And so I messaged her because she had was one of my guests. I was like, Hey, where were you yesterday? Like we didn't see you. And she's like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't really feel like I fit in with the groups. So I just stayed in my hotel. And I was like, that is 100% absolutely unacceptable. I was like, there's no way that you're going to be here with me and feel like, you'd rather be in your hotel room by yourself. I was like, you're with me today, sis. Like, I will take care of you. Whatever you're feeling, let me know. Um, But yeah, you did not come all the way to South Africa to feel, you know, not included in this group. Um, So, you know, on the second day, we had a great time. I snuck her in a VIP and like, we had a, a great night and I just made sure like she was, you know, next to me as much as I could. And that's, that's really, you know, the best part of the trips is just, you know, having people that you meet that, you know, you really make real friendships with. Did you have someone making space for you like that when you were growing up? Hmm. I mean, my mom, (laughs) that's really, I was, I went to private school, so I was pretty much by myself a lot and had like literally like two friends. <laughs> so I feel like I've just been uh, on this, on where she was like that particular case, that particular person I've been in her shoes before. Um, so I wish that I had somebody that would have done that for me. Um, and probably I'll say that didn't happen until college. I met my best friend and then it was like, we good. What are some of your self-care practices, Samantha? I journal a lot. Um, Just I like to get it all down on paper. Um, It's part of my practice as an artist to just clear my head. Um, I notice a big difference when I meditate. I definitely don't do it as much as I should. I would love to do it every day, but I just don't. Um, But meditation is definitely like probably like the most changing. um, I can't find my words, but the mind altering, life altering um, thing would be meditation and then exercise. Um, I love exercising. I would be in the gym three hours a day if I could. Like if if there was just nothing else to do, I'd be in the gym. 
And are any of those practices particularly grounding for you? Um, definitely the meditation. Meditation allows me to really regulate my emotions. Um, like I said, I'm a thin-skinned person. I'm a very emotional person, um, which you know doesn't always come through. Like people may not know that because I try and keep that to myself, even within my real life relationships. People don't always. They think I'm just like this tough person that's just out here. And I'm like, no, I'm actually at home crying today because life is hard. Um, but meditating definitely like gives you clarity and allows you to push through and um, love on yourself and forgive yourself, understand yourself, see yourself. Um, I definitely get all that through meditation. What has helped you to get through your challenges? Well, that's the crying. I am a crier. Um, I'm actually all like cried up at this point because the past two years have actually been really a lot of change. Um, so just being able to like forgive yourself and not live in the I should have, I could have, why didn't I? And just to be easier. Um, so just learning how to be easier on myself. And I have really great friends that see me beat myself up and they're just like, sis, please be gentle with yourself. Uh, my best friend tells me all the time, you hold yourself to such a high standard. You are so hard on yourself. Just please. Um, so talking to her and her sister is also a really good friend of mine. Um, really, really helps. Do you think that traveling as a Black woman has impacted your travels? Yeah, I love being Black when I travel. I call it the reverse Black tax. Um, they're just things that we, uh, and it's based on some of the places that I travel to, but most places when we travel, we're a novelty. Um, and I take full advantage of it, like, you think I'm special? You've never seen anybody like me? Let's revel in that. Let's, you think I look like Beyonce? I don't, but thank you. <laughs> like, you just get so much love traveling as a Black woman. Um, and I feel like we don't always get that at home. Um, like, even living overseas, people are like, how is it living in China? How do they treat you? I'm like, well, um, somebody tells me I'm beautiful every day. Because they're just like, they don't see Black people. So they're like, oh, my God. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, you're pretty. Oh, it's like, you know, when you get those reactions, you're like, that's pretty cool. I can I can get with this. I like this. Um, yeah. Do you have any hobbies or interests that aren't necessarily about the gram or money? <laughs> I know you said you'd be in the gym all the time. Yeah, um, gym. I'm, is gym a hobby though? Like, I just, I just like to sweat. And I like, I like to look on people's faces in the gym when I can lift the same amount of weight as them. I'm like, yeah, bruh. Like, get your muscle up. Like, I just like that feeling. Um, mostly my hobbies are on the gram. Um, like artwork. It's not. It's more of like a lifestyle than a hobby, though. Um, 
And I like horseback riding and I also put that on the gram. So, but yeah, I would say horseback riding doesn't make me any money, um, but I love it. Uh, and artwork and, for, and of course photography as well, but that makes me a little bit of money and artwork makes me a little bit of money, but uh, not, not like a career would, not yet it's coming. What kind of art do you produce? I mostly do portraiture. So I draw couples, kids, I'll draw you. I draw um, portraits. I just did a, a lady's business card. So like I did a, a kind of cartoon drawing of her for her business card. Um, but yeah, mostly people. I can draw pretty much anything, um, but my interest is with people. What kind of mediums do you use? Uh, is it pen and paper? Do you use watercolors, gouache, oil? Uh, usually it's graphite. I'll do a little bit of charcoal. I I paint sometimes, but drawing is more so um, where I'm more comfortable. So I'll do colored pencil or, um, or graphite. And also I draw on my iPad. So that's where I do a lot of work now because of the, um, it's just the ease of having all these different tools right there. And it's one little thing that you can throw in your backpack. When you are traveling, is there a specific kind of way you like to explore? Recently, I like to move slower and slower. I do not like just rushing through a place. If I get someplace, I actually have um, a lot of anxiety with going to new places. If I go to somewhere I've been before, I hit the ground running, I'm good. If I go someplace new, I usually take a day or two to just kind of hang out in my Airbnb or hang out in my hotel and just kind of um, get my mind prepared to explore. Um, and if, like sometimes it feels like a waste of time, but I really can't force myself to just like go and be out there right away. Um, and then once I'm out, I, I usually like to just hang out with locals, ask them where they're going, what they're doing, where they eat. I don't do a lot of research anymore. Um, I know like one or two big things that I want to do. But other than that, I just kind of let locals guide me around. And I've been asking my guests, how do they like to celebrate? Celebrate life or? Yeah, <laughs> like anything. Um, I mean, me and my friends, we celebrate all the time. <laughs> I'm actually super blessed. Um, my best friend, I'm going to shout her out, Jessa Dragoness. You can follow her on YouTube. Like, follow, subscribe. No, I'm joking. But um, my, so my best friend is a YouTuber. And um, we definitely always celebrate every little success. Like if I book um, an art commission, if I book a photography gig, if she gets a new company that she's working with, um, if she's doing an event, like we tell each other everything and we big each other up on everything. Um, definitely don't have any problem with that. Sometimes I forget, you know, some of the little things to be happy about them, but it definitely helps knowing that if I call her, she's not going to minimize like anything that, um, any accomplishment that I'm doing. And that really helps me to be able to, to see the value in even just like the small things and 
you know, and have some champagne and go out and celebrate and turn up. And, and that's, that's my puppy. <laughs> you guys are probably here. <laughs> Do you have any song lyrics or poem that speaks to you these days? Um, I have been listening to a lot of like ratchet black girl magic music, I would call it. So um, some Megan Thee Stallion. Some of her music, it's just like, yes, I'm here. I'm taking up space. I'm bad. Y'all are going to recognize. Like, I, I like that. Um, there's another girl, I think it's Ray Leakey, or I'm going to uh, butcher her name. She wears a mask. She sings the song Money from the Insecure Show, but she had her new album is amazing. And it's all just like, give me my money. Don't mess with me. Miss me with the BS. Like, we're in here. Um, we're doing it. So, yeah. You have a quote on your website uh, by James Baldwin. It says, our crown has already been bought and paid for. All we have to do is wear it. What does that mean to you? Um, my family is from North Carolina, like, uh, back from slavery. And my mother actually picked cotton when she was not my age, but, um, you know, when she was younger. And so just to see that that is like the struggle that she went through growing up and the things that the life that she lived in order for us to be able to live the life that we live, you know, she basically paid for it. You know, like all of our ancestors paid for it. Um, we wouldn't have the things that we have if there wasn't this civil rights movement, if um, if slaves weren't able to endure the things that they endured and, you know, for us to still be in this country. Cause like other countries, they, they killed us all or they, we didn't make it like, you know, for us to, to still be here. Um, yeah, that's, that's the payment that's been paid for. And we, we actually get to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And I always like to have my ladies share what is the best way that listeners can support your work? Uh, book me. <laughs> if you need a, uh, if you have a photography gig or, if you have something that you would like drawn, that is the best way to support me. And then also, of course, you know, find me on Instagram, send me some loves, you know, you know, follow or I love comments. I love speaking with, you know, everybody that, you know, is on the page and keeps up with what I'm doing. Like I, I respond to like almost every message and I really do enjoy talking with everyone. Um, and my handle is the T-H-E uh, Queen of Vacations with that. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts about this and that and the other. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure. You have a good day. You too. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum.